Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Hey to you, man, it is good to be here with you guys. It's December 13th already. Who can believe it, right? The year is almost over. I love the conversation this morning, and it's so funny. We come up 
Scott and I come up with these topics uh, before we know what the topic of the room is, and they almost always uh, tie in. And this morning, we wanted to talk about uh, business culture uh, and how, you know, the impact that company culture has on the bottom line. Uh, and and I, I think it's important to always note, too, that, you know, when we're talking about business culture or any anything related to business, how this implements into our own personal lives is almost identical, right? So it's like, you know, imagine when we're talking about business culture, instead, we're talking about family culture, we're talking about, you know, how we operate uh, as individuals within our family structure. Uh, and so, you know, I am a big person on company culture, anybody that interacts with me will tell you that. Uh, I think it's super important. Uh, I think it is the foundation of everything in business, you know, so as great as you could be in sales or marketing or customer satisfaction, uh, it is all dependent on the company culture and the culture that exists within your business uh, depends, you know, is dependent on how successful you will be in those other categories. So I want to jump into that this morning and, uh, What's happening, Scott Simons? Hey, good morning, Brian Hess. Good morning, Breakfast with Champions. I'm doing fantastic. Um, you, I, I'm excited to uh, to roll with you this morning. You, you know what's different about this week, Scott? I do. I do. We're going to be uh, we're going to be getting together this weekend to watch the Steelers and the, and the Titans. And my James Madison. Um, Dukes made it a little bit more complicated, so I may actually fly out Friday, uh, Friday afternoon to to North Dakota to watch JMU play, and then fly to Pittsburgh to meet up with uh, with you and Joy and your your lovely family. And uh, I do want to say, please, everybody, think about Coach Isaac. Uh, his team made it to the big game and and lost in overtime, uh, thirty three to twenty five. It was one heck of a game. I know that uh, we all follow Coach Isaac on here, and I know they had a fantastic season, but um, his team ended up uh, losing in overtime uh, pretty late last night. So I know you know he's probably uh, making it to that, making it to the big dance, and then making it to the finals and coming up just a little bit short. Um, so Coach Isaac, I know we're all thinking about your brother, and uh, it was a heck of a season, and, and I'm honored to call you my friend. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about this weekend, man. It's going to be an amazing time, surrounded by people that share the same values and energy. And uh, I've been, I've seen uh, uh, Joy before, and what an amazing human being she is. And we're going to have a lot of fun. So I look forward to it, brother. Thank you so much for inviting me and meeting these amazing people in this Breakfast of Champions room in person uh is 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 a good good time no doubt man no doubt so on the topic of culture brother let's dig into that one um you know i know you're a big culture person as well and uh just want to you know give everybody kind of a definition of the word culture so it's you know the, the dictionary says it's the customs the arts the social institutions the achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. Um, and then there's other definitions as well, right? There is uh, the attitudes and behavior characteristics of a particular social group. So when you think about culture, think about those things. But for me, you know, culture is really the heartbeat of an organization, right? How does it operate? You know, does it, uh, it is, is the company that you work 
uh, for or the company that you own? You know, is it full of encouragement, motivation, inspiration, or is it full of gossip and backbiting and negativity, right? And those, those two different cultures are very, very different results when it comes to the effort that people put in. And I am a believer that the effort that people put in, the result that actually comes out from that effort is directly dependent to the health of the culture. So if the culture is 70% healthy, uh, you're only ever going to get 70% of the result that your people are putting out to achieve because of just that that nasty stuff that exists within your company, uh, you know, kind of taking away people's motivation or taking away uh, customers' excitement, whatever that may be. It's just not quite the same. So, um, Scott, what are some of the things – I know you guys are huge on culture at CMA. What are some of the things that, you know, you personally focus on uh, and you guys as as an organization at CMA focus on to, uh, you know, just encourage healthy company. Yeah, well, well, culture and company culture is extremely important. You know, Carter Myers Automotive Group, which uh, I am a, a managing partner with Liza Borges. We now have 20 stores in uh, Virginia, and now we're over in the wonderful, beautiful state of West Virginia, my, my home state. And uh, company culture starts really at the top. It starts with um, First, what what are our values? What are our what are our values? What what do we stand for? Um, our company culture revolves around a theme of of moving lives forward. So we not only want to move the lives forward of our valued uh, customers, we also want to move the lives forward of our valued associates, which we're up to a thousand associates. And then we want to move the forward move the lives forward of our community. And the whole point of it's around transportation so we're a transportation company so we solve people's transportation needs and some of the things that we stand for are uh, always do what's right so uh, there's times we'll make decisions that is in the best interest of the of our guest of our value guest of our employee but maybe not necessarily of the of the company so we try to put in the situations that we're in we try to look at it from the lens of the, of the guest, of the consumer. And we try to exceed their expectations of, of, a, of our business. And uh, we train on it. Um, you know, uh, we empower our associates to make decisions, you know, and, and not try to go back and question those decisions. And we just say, hey, what is in the best interest of the customer? We have a long-term vision when we deal with transactions. So... Uh, for example, we've been around since 1924, and you know if we're going to move the lives forward of of our employees, years ago, back in the 70s, uh, Carter Myers decided to do profit sharing. So we have a employee stock option plan with our staff. So we take 10 percent, 10 percent of our net profits, and we share it with was was 700 employees, but now it's a thousand employees. And so they have a vested interest also into the performance of our company. So what does that mean? That means that if you see a, a, a valued guest that has an issue, and you could tell, right? You could tell when you walk by and, and the look on their face or maybe how a conversation is going. Instead of running away from that problem, you engage and try to help. Uh, when you 
uh, pull up on the lot, and if there's a hole on the lot, one of the associates, not just me, sits and says, hey, who left that hole last night? If our lot's not exactly lined up, because our first impression, if you go into the restroom and there's a piece of paper on the ground, you bend over and you pick up that piece of paper. So because our company culture is, is moving everyone's life forward, and we share in those net profits, everybody looks at the company as though they own it because they do. And that was a decision made uh, years ago that's paid huge dividends uh, to the growth of our company. And, uh, you know, we're a fourth generation auto group. And as you know, Brian, you deal with a lot of companies uh, in, your, in your paving group and, and the other business interests that you're in. Most companies don't make it to the third generation. They don't make it past the second generation, much less the third. And we're in our fourth, and, and uh, there will be a fifth generation. I almost can guarantee it just based on our company culture. So I love talking about company culture, and it starts with your values. What are your values? And then it lines to your mission, and then your mission, you know, just pushes forward your company culture. So I love talking about it and uh, uh, this topic. Yeah, likewise, man. It is it is one of my favorites. And, you know, when I opened uh, up the app this morning and I saw you decide if this week will be different, um, I'm a big believer in, you know, that Monday really is a huge day for culture, right, and, and how we start the week. Uh, and that's both personally uh, and within our company. So what is it that we do on Mondays that sets the tone for the week? And so, for us at the Pavement Group, we kick off every single Monday uh, with a leadership meeting first thing in the morning. Uh, we, you know, collectively talk about everything that's going on in the company, our scorecard, um, the issues that we might have that we might be facing, uh, company and employee headlines, like anything that's going on that's important inside of our uh, company or our employees' lives uh, that we need to address then on our company-wide call that follows our leadership call. But I think it's really important for everybody to realize that whether it's personally or professionally, you know, we all set a tone for our lives. We all set a tone for the environment uh, that we exist within. And so uh, Sarah was speaking earlier about Alexander's uh, talk at the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference. And it's what are these words that you are speaking over your existence, over your company, over yourself? And, you know, when you are dealing with uh, business, for example, there's a lot of complication that comes from that, right? There are decisions that have to be made. There are uncomfortable conversations that come about as a result of people's uh, decisions. And so how we show up in those scenarios is the most important thing. It is actually who we are, uh, is how we show up. It's not a matter of what we say, but it's how we actually deal with things. And so when we have difficult scenarios, it's an opportunity for us to show our company culture, for, for us to actually prove who we are, not just to say who we are, but to prove who we are. And so uh, for me, one of those things uh, within our company is that uh, when I started our company, the pavement group, I really wanted to focus on um, giving people the opportunity that uh, I felt I never had anywhere else of being heard, of being seen, of being understood, uh, and really, really having a culture that was different, you know, and, and I said this at our leadership meeting last week, we had our 2022 planning session, 
And I said, we always want to be the company that gives somebody more chances, uh, not less, right? Not, we want to be that company. I would, I would much rather be known as the company that gives somebody one too many chances than not enough. Uh, and, and to offer people grace, especially when they don't deserve it. And to embrace the conversations of conflict that other companies may not, right? To eliminate gossip, to eliminate all of those negative things, to recognize people for the things that they do. Uh, to your point, Scott, to share in the profits that we create as a company. Uh, but really, I think it comes down to, and what you were describing there, Scott, uh, and Liza has done such a great job uh, kind of crafting this culture of making it feel like a family. Um, that is what, if you listen to people's comments. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Comments within this room, you hear people talking about how this just feels like a family. And that is really what culture is all about. Uh, but I want to get into the specifics of, you know, some of the things that are difficult, some of the things that, you know, maybe go sideways in a company culture if they're not addressed, because these are the things that sometimes we think of uh, subconsciously about culture. Uh, and that is really um, you know, it's, it's the things that happen behind the scenes, the conversations that are happening that uh, are probably not so good for company culture. And that most of the time is around gossip or talking about other people, you know, Hey, have you heard about this happening? Or did you hear this person did this? And, you know, nobody took care of that, whatever it may be. Um, so Scott, I want to, I want to dig into that. And I've got a couple examples myself on these things, but you know, how important it is to make sure that those things aren't happening while still maintaining a culture and an environment where people feel that they can, you know, speak their mind, that they can be heard, but making sure that that's not uh, kind of coming from a toxic place that's creating more issues in the culture than it is trying to actually solve a problem. What's your so, Brian, uh, before I came uh, and started working at Carter Myers Automotive Group, I worked with a different um, dealer. And the dealer um, thrived on um, negativity and thrived on chaos. It, 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 it helped by, by feeding into it. it actually, he actually felt like that people would rely on him more and so when you're working at when you when you're in a current situation and you see things that aren't right or you see other people make mistakes you learn from those mistakes that way you don't repeat those mistakes so a lot of things that i learned by not working for the right organizations when when i went to work for the right organization i didn't want to repeat the things that i saw the other companies make the, the mistakes and you know some of the things that we institute one we have open door policy so uh, i have person about 175 associates that i lead 
um, and I have an open door policy. Now, you can't come and just complain. So someone can't come and say, hey, well, Brian Hess is my is my leader and Brian Hess um, was, you know, is, is not mentoring me or he's not uh, assisting me. You know, so if you come in with open door policy, come in and speak, then you have to have a solution. You can't just complain about a problem. Also, if your comment is directed toward another individual, as long as it doesn't break any HR, HR policies, which, you know, then uh, we bring the other individual into the conversation. So give me an example. So if I come into Liza's office and say that Brian Hess is a very negative person, which he's not, and is not a good, uh, is not being a good leader, doesn't show up on time, whatever the case may be, doesn't lead by example. Underneath this scenario, Liza would say, hold on a minute, Scott. Let's, let's, have you addressed this? First of all, have you went to Brian? Have you addressed it with the person that's just, that, that you are referencing, that you work with directly? That first and foremost, that's who you need to go speak with. Then we'll bring Brian in and we'll address it with Brian here. And what it, what it eliminates is it eliminates a lot of the people talking behind people's back. We just have zero, zero tolerance for that, you know, at all. And I'm really big on, you know, the chain of command of not allowing someone that is below a leader to come and complain about that leader without them first addressing that leader. And, it, you know, think about it. So if, if I go to the person above me and go just simply complain about that individual, nothing good's going to come out of that because the person that leads them is going to address it with them. There's going to be hard feelings between those individuals. And then no matter what, typically retaliation takes place. No matter what, it's just human nature. So if you're going to come in and, and have a complaint about somebody, we're first going to ask if you address it with that individual. And then we're going to address it as a team. We're going to sit and we're going to talk about it. And a lot of the times, it's just it's a, it's a lack of communication. Most issues that I find with either a customer that has an issue or an employee it's either a lack of communication or sometimes it's a miscommunication. So oh, we do have an open door policy. Uh, if you have an, a situation or a problem, then we just ask you to come with, we call that not a problem, we call that an opportunity. And then we ask you to come up with, um, you know, what you would do, a solution to that problem. So that's, that's how we handle it. But yeah, cancer and backstabbing and talking about other people and, and can ruin a company culture. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, guys, to realize that this is this is common stuff, right? It is not something that's that's rare. Uh, this is something that just naturally happens. People talk about things. People have opinions. Uh, they share them sometimes with the wrong people, with the people that can't actually help them. And then there's emotions that get caught up in the response of that, right? You know, when you when you have an emotional charge within a, a conversation or um, a relationship with another person within the company. And then, you know, that person gets emotionally upset because, you know, Scott said this about Alexander and man, that's not right. And then they start telling people, you know, it really fractures and damages uh, company culture beyond what people realize. And one of the things that I just want to say this morning is uh, I get asked a lot inside of our company uh, because these things happen inside of every company, to Scott's point, you know, we we try to uh, address it straight up, just, you know, bring people in and, and embrace the conflict that comes along with that. 
but offering people grace in those scenarios is so important because what I have found over my years of doing this is that uh, most people are unaware of the damage that can be done. You know, they're just kind of expressing their emotions. Uh, and this happens in life. It happens in every aspect of, of our existence is, you know, people are expressing themselves in ways they're, they're talking about other people. They're doing things because they're unaware of the damage that it's doing, both to themselves and potentially to the other person and to the company. And so um, it's our responsibility as leaders to offer those people grace and to really um, have a conversation that's productive, not one that is uh, damaging, not one that's, you know, obviously we, we have to correct the issue, but the way that we do that and the amount of grace that we offer people uh, in those situations really does determine our company culture, right? Um, we had a couple challenges last week um, in, in my company. And, you know, one of the things that I said was, I don't, you know, it's, it's not our job to tell people, you know, to, you know, create an environment where we control people's actions. That's not what we want. We want to educate people to understand what the consequences of their actions are, because I believe that many times people are unaware. And so we have these conversations that many companies don't have because um, it's so important to me for people to show up into a culture, into a business where they feel great showing up every day, right? They feel great about the people around them and the fact that they can trust these people um, that they work alongside. And that trust is very fragile. You know, to Scott's point, when when somebody brings up someone else or they bring up, um, you know, something that somebody did that, uh, you know, we're just a third party to, it is so incredibly important for how we handle those situations to be proper and for it not to turn into um, a negative conversation because that um, restricts people from talking again, from sharing again, from expressing their feelings. And so it is super important for everyone to uh, feel that they can be heard, that they can talk to people about how they feel. Uh, and then that information is going to be actually processed and heard, right? Not just received and nothing happened to uh, as a result of it. And so uh, for us, how we address those things is really important. And I think uh, for those people who are leaders within an organization, um, it is it says a lot about who you are uh, regarding how you show up for those uh, situations of conflict. And so uh, it is so important inside of our businesses for us to be also aware as leaders as to how we show up. Um, so on the, on the topic of culture, Scott, how do you guys recruit um, individuals that match your company culture? And to talk about that point just real quick, if you think about it, Two, when if I come to you and say, hey, you know, my supervisor or, or whatever the case may be, and I'm complaining about them, if I simply state, you know, have you already addressed, have you spoke to them about it? And then two, you know, have you, um, you know, we're going to we're going to bring that person in. They're going to think twice about complaining about that person without going in and speaking to that individual first. Also. If you are, if someone is sitting and complaining about others to you, you're just as guilty as that person. 
you know, there's the negative huddles that, that happen and you want to just avoid those huddles because, you know, they're always going to, you know, uh, talk about other people that are maybe, uh, you know, we're in, we're in the automotive industry and it's very competitive. So sometimes you'll see the people in the corner, you know, at different dealerships that are sitting complaining about the people that are, that are ahead of them. Um, so you're just as guilty if you're sitting and listening to someone. Also, um, just keep in mind that, you know, whatever people say about somebody else to you in private more than likely is going to say something about you to others in private. So, you know, people that carry those negative messages, I just eliminate negativity. Um, I think I've talked about this in here before, um, you know, especially on social media, uh, if people are, are spewing hate or are always uh, uh, being negative, you know, I'm, I'll send them a private message and say, hey, you know, hey, Brian, you know, I know you, you know, I'm just letting you know, man, I'm just really not down with that negativity. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but just a lot of your posts recently have been negative. And then if that change doesn't happen after I've addressed it with them, you know, I simply either just hide their post or block them or just move on <clears throat> because I just don't want that negative energy in my universe. There's plenty other the, there's plenty other people out there that are that are negative in the, in the world that can be negative. And I most definitely don't want someone in my in my circle or in my network that's just constantly being negative and, and putting putting other people down. But, uh, Brian, I think it's, um, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, questions you know, asking them about, you know, what are their hobbies, you know, uh, what did they play, you know, were they competitive in sports, you know, obviously we do a behavioral analysis in our application, on our applicants, you know, we call references, uh, we pay a bonus to our team members that recruit other people, so high performers typically know other high performers, uh, so we get a lot of referrals from the people that currently work work for us, and we also bonus them for the people that they refer. Once they're there for 30 days, they get a bonus, then 90 days, and then six months. So there's three separate bonuses. So we, you know, we when we sit and do one on ones, we ask if they know anybody. So they're helping us recruit those people, which is a great business practice uh, to do. But yeah, interviewing and, and uh, being selective on who we hire, take our time, make sure that we go through the process. You know, a lot of times, especially in this labor market, you know, we, we get, we cut corners, you know, we, we get, we get quote unquote desperate. So we've got to, we've got to stay the path and, uh, and recruit and hire based on our culture. So that's a great question. This yeah. And, uh, to add on to that, Scott, one of the things that uh, I always say is that, you know, recruiting in today's world, uh, finding employees is almost harder than finding uh, clients, right? It's it's a more difficult process. But what we have found is that um, telling your story, actually putting your culture on display, uh, whether that be through marketing efforts, uh, social media, video content creation, things like that. Um, it creates this digital footprint of your culture, of who you are uh, as individuals and as a company. Uh, and that has done tremendous things of attracting the right people into our business. You know, um, I posted a handful of positions at the end of last year when we were hiring, which we're going to do uh, again coming up soon this year. And, you know, we had uh, just under 100 applications in 48 hours without spending any money on advertising, just sharing them across social channels. 
Um, and the majority of those people were great candidates, right? They were a great, they would have been a great fit for our company. And I found that interesting that most of the people aligned with our values and our culture. And so I just wanted to share that with everyone this morning. Uh, to Scott's point, we also use uh, employee referrals, but also putting your company culture yourself, uh, your own story, what you stand for on display for the public to see, you know, that really does attract the right people and it detracts the wrong people. You know, people that uh, might be negative uh, probably wouldn't apply to work for a job with Scott Simons if they followed him for any amount of time on social media because uh, people just genuinely feel like, you know, they want to work for people that they can relate to. And so when they get to know you digitally, uh, it's much easier for them to, to be able to see themselves working for your company in real life. And so from a recruiting standpoint, that's one of the things that we've implemented very successfully that has allowed us to get some of the most incredible people in our industry to come work for our company. Uh, and I know you guys have too, uh, Scott, uh, by doing the same exact uh, or very similar process there. So I just wanted to share that with everyone this morning to create a better culture. You can just put your own culture on display uh, and allow, you know, kind of nature to take its course there with uh, attracting the right people. So I wanted to uh, open it up to the audience here for some comments, some questions. I know that, uh, you know, company culture has been a big thing, especially over the past year and a half here where a lot of things have changed in companies, right? Cultures have shifted as a result of, you know, the changes in business, the changes in the world. Um, and so I wanted to get some conversation started around the importance of company culture. If you guys have any questions or anything like that. Hey, hey, uh, that hey Brian, I also, I also share this with you just real quick. A couple of be best practices for everybody. Um, we have a videographer on staff and I learned this from Andy Frisella years ago that it's extremely important for us to tell our story, to um, interview uh, our associates and allow them to tell their story and how our organization impacted their life. So it's extremely important to get those testimonials and then push them out and have them push out to their social media following and then we push it out through ours. I'll give you an example, Corey Darkus that we talked about on here before. Corey came to our organization right out of, right out of uh, college, was a bartender, really couldn't find a job, went to a good school and just, you know, came in to apply, you know, for a, a job, not a career, a job. And he got into auto industry and we mentor our associates and we shared about, you know, saving your money and, and trained him on how to use social media. He happened to have 1.4 million followers on TikTok, so he incorporated TikTok and taught us about TikTok a lot of the managers and et cetera, a lot of the other team members. So he had a skill that he could share with others as we were pouring into him. So within one year, Corey made $100,000 within eight months. He maxed out his 401k of 19,500. He bought his first home. He, um, he had his first child and he um, started a 529. And that was all within one year. So we had him tell that story through our videographer. So our videographer that's on, site will will record special deliveries or deliveries to our guests and the experience in that delivery he'll interview our associates for them to tell their story so that can push out and recruit to other people so and you know if you say well scott i can't hire i can't afford a videographer just pull out your phone just pull out your phone that you have 
and just record it and tell your story or go to a local college and find a student that is, you know, that is in that, that field and you typically can hire them at a very reasonable rate, uh, you know, to have your own videographer. So that's something that we did that is paying huge dividends, Brian, is telling our story and interviewing associates and pushing it out to all of our social media platforms. And then the last thing I'll wrap it up with, which I could talk about this all day, is leaders lead by example. If I want everybody to be positive, I need to be the most positive person in the room. And when we do have conversations that aren't, aren't so positive or we have to train coach, that happens behind closed doors. But when we walk out and we have interactions with other people, as the leader, we must be the most positive person if we want to promote positivity. We can't say one thing and then do something else because if we don't, if we don't take action behind what we say, we're going to be a fraud and you're going to lose credibility with your team. So there's just two other things I'd like to share real quick, Brian, but yeah, we're here to serve. We're glad to answer any questions you may have. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. And it, it, it's absolutely so true, man. Those people, you know, when, when people from outside of the company who are considering working for you can see somebody inside the company that's relatable to them, um, that makes it highly likely that they would want to work there. Mr. Brian Benstock, what's happening, brother? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hey, I, I had the privilege of seeing former football coach Dick Vermeil um, at an event in New York, uh, I guess a couple of days ago. And Dick Vermeil uh, coached, uh, I think, the Rams, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And this man was so intelligent. He was so energetic. He was so soft, compassionate, knowledgeable. He understood uh, so many of the principles you're talking about. And the really interesting thing is, Brian and, and Scott, he was 85 years old. And he he was like a like a person in their mid-60s with his energy. And the, the wisdom, and he, he wrote down or gave us a card that had some of his principles of leadership. Um, and I thought they were really interesting. And one of them was um, make sure your people know that you care and i think you guys have both touched on that and it's amazing you would think you guys were at the meeting and i know you weren't but but you know make sure your people know that you care he he said then number two is be a good example and, and again you definitely touched on on that number three you touched on as well create an atmosphere in which people enjoy working and and isn't that really you know culture 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 um number four and i think this is great for leadership it was define delegate than lead. Well, you can't you can't lead people if you haven't defined what the mission is. And define what the mission is, and let each of us know what our role is, and and then lead lead them there. I think that's great. And number five, bring great energy to the workplace. And I know Brian Hess. I could see and feel the energy that you bring to a situation. Scott Simons, of course, and that, I think that's influence and leadership. And, and uh, number six, uh, build relationships uh, that uh, as you implement your vision, values, and process. And I, and I think that's uh, great. And the last one was be sincere. And I, I, as I was listening, and I was really just listening and having a cup of coffee, I thought, man, these guys are, are talking about all these things that were incredibly important for a man who reached the pinnacle in his, in his craft and in his sport, uh, professional football as, as a head coach. And you guys would all make a pretty darn good head coach. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you, brother. And uh, yeah, it's funny how uh, the same principles apply to uh, automotive, to construction, or to uh, professional football, right? It's all all the same because the same common denominator exists in all three, and that is people. And uh, when you when you care for people, you really have a passion for people. Leadership is such a gift, you know, to be able to uh, have the opportunity to to be that person for other people that uh, can extract those gifts uh, that they have that sometimes they don't see themselves. So thank you for sharing, brother. Hey, Brian. This hey, thanks so much. I don't know if this is company culture, but one thing we do at Smart Hustle is I try to have my team be very, very proactive and in many things ask for forgiveness later. And here's what I mean, Brian and Scott. Let me know if this makes sense is that, yes, I'm the leader of the company. I have to lead our small team of about five or six people. But I also want them to take action. I don't want them to wait for Ramon. And I don't want them to ask me all the questions. So I try to come at it with, you all are, in many areas, smarter than me. So just do it and get it done because we have the broad guide rails of where we're trying to go and what we're trying to do. So I hope that's something to do with company culture. But let me know if that's on the right track. And what you yeah, def definitely is, man. It's it's empowering people is a big part of culture. It, it uh, you know, delegating power um, is one of those key elements to making people feel part of the mission, Ramon. So definitely in line. All right, somebody somebody is unmiked there. If somebody wants to go. Hey, hey there. Go Good morning, champions. Yes, leadership is near and dear to my heart. Two things. I think lead each one and teach each one differently. I find this to be a major issue. People, leaders try to lead everybody the same and teach everybody the same. And we have to meet with people where they are when we're teaching them. And we have to lead everyone differently. Some people need high octane gas, some people diesel, some people regular. And so, you know, if you have an all-star, you don't lead an all-star the same way you lead a uh, non-performer. And I find that sometimes people try to do this peanut butter spread of leading everybody uh, the same. And then one of the things that I absolutely love to do is to build influence and relationships for others because what i found is you know 90 percent of the time if i knock on a door and ask someone to help me they always do because i've built a brand over more than 30 years of most of the time i'm asking them to help and enable others i'm asking to open doors for others and then what i find is the other people are so grateful that they perform at an exceptional uh, manner and a lot of the times I'm giving them visibility and access that they never would have had. So this is GI God inspired to help women veterans have a greater impact in their business and lives. Thanks. Uh, GI, I totally agree with your point. This is Scott and totally agree with your point about, you know, managing, you do manage people differently. And what helps guide us is we ask for three personal and three professional goals. And we use those goals to help motivate the individual to accomplish those goals. So if Corey's goal, which we referenced earlier, was to make $100,000 or, you know, um, start a college fund or 
buy his first home, we sit down and say, okay, for you to make X amount of dollars, you need to generate this amount of sales this month that has this amount of, you know, commission per sale. And this is how many people you need to talk to. So we back into those numbers. And then if he's coming up short, you know, we say, hey, Corey, you know, if you're going to accomplish this goal of buying your first home, um, of, you know, starting a 529, whatever the case may be. So learning those personal professional goals is extremely important and a really good tool that we use, you know, at the Valley dealerships. And then now we've instituted it across all of CMA. And we use those to, to uh, help push performance and to push that individual. Obviously, if they don't have very high goals, that gives us a very, it gives us an opportunity to sit and, and talk with that individual. Also, in those goals, if that individual says, I want more responsibility. So, GI, if you say, Scott, I want more responsibility, I want to, you know, progress in this career flight plan. I want to move up. Then we're going to manage you even harder to push you, to push you because you've raised your hand and said you wanted more. So the individuals that want more, we push, you've enabled us to push even higher. So I think, GI, that's a really good point that you brought up. And thank you for sharing. And uh, we appreciate your partnership with Carter Myers Automotive Group. Awesome. Honor. This is Mary Lynn. May I share? Of course. I would say from a recruitment standpoint, make sure that your messaging is matching your culture because there's nothing, nothing worse than, you know, sending somebody into a job where you've sold them on a certain culture and they get there and it's nothing like that. Like you're, you know, you say it's a structured culture and they get there and it's Google with beanbags. Just make sure your messaging is met, uh, matching your culture. Sure. Yeah. Great share, Mary Lynn. And, and that goes for a lot of different aspects of business. You know, uh, one of, one of the things that I always say is that marketing is not uh, crafting a message. It's just telling a story. You know, it's not necessarily uh, making up a message. It is just delivering the one that already exists, right? The, the, the actual culture that's within the company should be what's shown to the public as opposed to, you know, spending a lot of time trying to create the company into something that would be attractive. Uh, you know, actually telling the story of what exists is how you're going to uh, do best when it comes to marketing. So, um, that's a, that's a great share. Thank you so much, Sarah. Go ahead. Good morning, Brian and Scott. I love this segment. Um, just following up on what Mary Lynn said about, um, kind of who you're attracting when you speak about your culture. The other thing that I think is a really important point here. And the point that you made as well, Brian, is that when a leader or leaders are really clear on what their culture is and who will be a culture fit. That also helps them, obviously, right throughout that interview process, not only articulate it correctly, as Mary Lynn said, but avoid that dreaded perfect on paper, but the person just isn't a fit. Usually when that happens, right, it's because the person isn't a culture fit. And lots of times you'll see that happen more often at a company that hasn't worked through what specifically that kind of culture is that helps people either thrive there or maybe if someone could add to it or evolve it or augment it. But it's like when it just is a mismatch where everyone's unhappy, it's because the company itself hasn't done the culture work before they've gone through the hiring process. 
Yeah, I could. I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, also, Sarah, to add to that, you know, many times we hire people and the first time that something goes wrong, uh, you know, we, we change our opinion of that person as opposed to, you know, just having an honest conversation, giving them feedback and allowing them to grow from that. Let's, let's not give up so quickly. You know, like sometimes uh, I think it's very frustrating some of the things that we're able, that, that we have to deal with. Uh, as a result of what people do, but we have to remember that uh, we are all imperfect people and we all make mistakes. And so uh, the ability to offer people grace and to have honest and open conversations allows them to grow uh, into sometimes and many times who we thought they were in the beginning. Um, Alexander, I saw you flash. Hey, yeah, I know I need to get better about that because I'm always clapping for what everyone's saying and I'm all about culture, I, especially organizational culture. I think it's imperative. And I think that a lot of what we're speaking about here is that when we understand that we come from an abundant mindset, right? Even thinking about culture, even thinking about people that are the right fit, even thinking about people who are making errors or mistakes and giving them grace, it's having that abundance to know that at the end of the day, if we're running our ship, as we should be. In other words, the businesses. Now, I don't know about anyone else listening, but I think everyone is like, okay, how can I work with Brian Hess? How can I work with Scott Simons? How can Liza be my CEO? <laughs> because the culture of these places are incredible. But all I'm hearing through all of it is having that abundant mentality, abundant enough to give to your employees, abundant enough to prepare certain things like having a videographer on hand for both your company and for your employees, abundant enough to give people grace to hopefully become who you saw in them in the beginning, but not to fall in love with their potential, but rather fall in love with who they actually are and the role that they're gonna play in the culture of your company. And I think that the more we see people coming from a place of abundance, as opposed to from a place of scarcity, what ends up happening is a lot of these things fall into place. I don't wanna speak for Liza, but what I've learned about Liza in the last several months of hearing her speak over and over, and I'll tell you, Scott, you are such a testimony to her as a CEO, the way that you speak about her is just powerful. But what I've noticed is she operates through abundance. She knows that God's got her and she knows that what, if she shows up every single day to ensure that the people that eat because of the paychecks that she signs are living their best lives and doing what they need to do to grow into who they wanna become within her, her, her company, that abundance will continue flowing freely to her and her family for decades and decades to come. And I just love this conversation and I love seeing all, all both of you, and I'm, again, Liza, because Scott keeps bringing her in, operate through abundance. And Brian, it's why you and your family continue to accelerate in so many incredible areas. And it's why I'm so blessed that I get to call the two of you my friends. Alexander, this is Liza, and I had to jump off my Peloton. Your words and the truth that you spoke about Scott being such an incredible ambassador, and I am so blessed to have someone like him leading in our organization and telling our story. And one thing I'll just I'll add to your comment about abundance. You know, one of our core values, Scott said that the whole key is to start off with your core values, and and our one of our core values is creating win wins. And everything, when we're pouring into others, when we are, are giving them our best, helping them live their potential, when we're helping them win, 
it helps us win personally, it helps the company win, it helps the customer win. So abundance absolutely ties back to our second core value, which is creating win-wins in every single thing we do. Alexander, thank you for the kind words. Scott, wonderful segment. Love you guys. This is Liza. I hope that the auto industry puts Liza uh, on many, many stages because <laughs> I think that a lot of companies needs to, need to learn um, for what you're doing, Liza. And, and yes, wow, Scott, like you just, you, the partnership there is just beautiful. And I love that. Very Zig Ziglar. If you help enough people get what they want, you will ultimately get what you want. And that is so powerful. So back. Brian, can I jump in? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I just want to say um, I echo what uh, this whole conversation. I've had the extreme pleasure of visiting two of the dealerships. And I will tell you, you know, they say you can say one thing, but when you see it in the people and Liza and Scott are not even there and they exude every bit of the culture that Scott and Liza talk about. I mean, you would think that, um, you know, they all drank from the same uh, water, which they have. And I think that's the true testament of leadership and culture. Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking while uh, Liza was talking was just uh, the word steady hand kept, kept coming to mind. And I think, you know, that is so important when it comes to culture. When it comes to leadership, uh, it's something that Scott says all the time in a different way. Scott says, if you have, you know, one phone call to make, he wants to be that person. Uh, and that is that is, you know, directly connected to what I'm saying. It's that's that steady hand, that um, dependable leader, that dependable ear that you can be for people. And, and that really creates just massive loyalty and, and love uh, for lack of a better description. I mean, it's true you know, care for each other. You know, when I looked around the table at our company meeting last week, you know, I was overcome with emotion many times just for what we've been able to accomplish in a short period of time and the people and the sacrifices and the sharing of the stories of, you know, what has happened. And so when you create that, um, it is really, really magical, uh, the feeling that you get when you show up every day. And it's uh, encouraging and exciting to show up and go into battle with people. Uh, but the, the thing that kept ringing when Liza was talking was, you know, being that steady hand. And it's one of the things that I, uh, I try to pride myself in being, you know, being calm when other people uh, would possibly be losing it. And, uh, you know, just being a, a good solid ear for people, regardless of how, you know, crazy some scenario might be that they've gotten themselves into. And uh, I think that that plays a huge role in culture, you know, just people feeling comfortable, you know, so often today uh, we treat people as uh, objects or pieces of equipment that we can just, you know, discard and throw away. And it's one of the things that I am so adamant about our company uh, not ever being viewed that way, right? To give people one more chance, uh, one chance too many as opposed to not enough. And to really just just be that steady hand for people when when they need it in their lives, uh, when they need it in their professional lives, uh, just to be there for people. And I think that's a huge piece of culture. So thank you, Liza, for sharing and uh, for chiming in there. And Alexander, always great to hear from you, man. Who else has something to add here? Anthony. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Anthony. I have a few things I'm, and I'll make them quick. 
uh, as far as uh, developing that culture we're talking about. First thing uh, for me and the company I work for, I look to recruit uh, as far as recruiting, I hire smiles and great attitudes as opposed to hiring a person that's super skilled uh, because I can always teach and develop the, those skill sets, but that attitude and that smile, you can't hire, you know, that really you can't hide that when they're dealing with the public. Number two, uh, provide proper tools and systems so that they can execute their jobs properly. Um, number three, once we've, you know, got those things in place, I want to always catch them doing something right. And when I catch that person doing it right, we make a big deal of it um, so that everybody else can kind of feed off of that. Number four, provide feedback so they always know where they stand. Um, also, you want to uh, get rid of your bad apples if you have any uh, as soon as possible. Um, you know, you, like you said yourself, Brian, you want to kind of give them chances and chances, but at a certain point, you have to cut those losses. And last but not least, you've got to walk it like you talk it. And with that, I land my plane. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for sharing, man. Appreciate that. And a great list, man. Great list. I want to finish us off here, Scott, by asking you something I know you are uh, an expert on, and that is, how do you create a culture of competition that produces amazing results? Oh, buddy, I love competition. Um, you know, we put... First of all, we track performance every single day. So when we send out the email, it's going to rank the stores. It's going to rank individuals in the stores. It's going to, we, uh, we are a culture of competition. We truly are in order to push each other to be the best versions of us. And we do that by Saturday morning sales meeting in front of everybody. Your number one store, based on percent of objective, gets to go first. Number two store goes second. You don't want to be the third, fourth, and fifth store. You know, when your numbers go up for everybody to see, you want your name to be up at the top. If I see an individual is struggling a little bit, I'll just send them a text message, send them a private message. Hey, is everything okay? They know what I mean by that. That means step it up. Let's go. You know, I'm asking, are you okay? Now, sometimes that'll, hey, can I meet with you for a minute? And yeah, sure. And they have something going on personally that we take time to talk about. And then, you know, what I'll bring it back around to, so will, will poor performance help this situation or, or hurt this situation? We know it's going to help this situation. So we're really big on competitive uh in between competition between our teams at CMA and then also the individuals, but finding someone that's competitive and then bringing out the best out of them is something I love to do. And sometimes it's a little, it's a little, you know, sometimes it's a little jab. If I know someone that, you know, responds well to pressure, I may send them a message and say, Hey, you know, the month has started, right? You know, stuff like that. And they'll kind of send me back laughing. Or, yeah, boss, I got you, brother. We're, I'm on it. I'm on it. So competition is huge, man. It is huge, huge, huge to bring the best out of people. And we love pushing each other. So, yeah, it's big. Lo love it, man. Love it. Well, that concludes our segment, guys. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us for the last hour here. Scott, as always, brother, it is a pleasure. 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.